Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. All right, so today we're going we're gonna to close out our series in the book of Daniel. All right, we've been in this series now for six weeks, and it's been a lot of fun. I love the book of Daniel. And we've, we've talked about different genres of scripture. Uh, we've seen narrative. We've seen, you know, the stories of Daniel and things. We, last week, we talked about uh, prophecy, uh, apocalyptic type literature. And today, we're going to see a new one, uh, and that's prayer. We're going to talk about prayer this morning, all right? How many of you, if I were to say, I want to I do a poll, okay? I think this will be interesting. If you enjoy using instructions, all right, so you get a box of something, like a, you're putting together a little piece of furniture or something like that. If you enjoy using instructions, would you raise your hand? Okay. How many of you would say, don't need the instructions, I'll figure it out? Yeah, all right, most of the guys in the room. It's something about guys, we just look at a big box of parts and bolts and just go, I I know how to do this, right? And it's what guys do. We, We have tools and we build stuff. And then we put something together and it's all wonky and hanging out weird and we gotta take it all apart and yell at somebody to get the instructions out of the trash, right? That's what we do. Um, My wife, Abby, she's started uh, this new subscription type thing um, called HelloFresh. Anybody heard of HelloFresh? Okay, it's pretty good. Um, If you're unfamiliar, HelloFresh is uh, this subscription thing that you do where you pick recipes, um, food things that you wanna eat and they send you all the stuff and it's not put together, you gotta put it together. And so if you're gonna, if something needs salsa, they're gonna send you tomatoes and onions and whatever else is in salsa and you build it. But it comes with instructions, right? And it's been cool. Now listen, Abby is a great cook without HelloFresh, but um, HelloFresh has been kind of cool because we're eating stuff that we wouldn't typically eat. Um, Abby's even said that by doing these recipes and things like she's learned new techniques and she's learned new recipes that we wouldn't otherwise have. And so the, the idea there is that following a template, following instructions, following a guide can be good, right? It can, it can show us something. We can learn that way. And so this morning, we're gonna see a powerful prayer from Daniel um, out of our text. And I think it's one that we can follow, that we can learn from. We can use it as a guide or a template uh, for our own prayer life. So if you have a Bible, open it with me to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter nine. Now, Daniel nine, as you're turning there, shows us one of the most remarkable prayers in the Bible. It's it's amazing. Uh, It's an amazing prayer. And it shows us a couple of things. One, it shows us how to pray in a corporate sense. Um, Pray for a nation, things like that. Like what we did just a few moments ago with what's going on in our world. So we're gonna see him pray for corporately for his nation. But it also shows us how to pray with just total reliance upon God. And that's what you see in Daniel's life. Throughout his life, Daniel was a man of prayer. It was like a natural instinct for him to turn to prayer. Um, A natural instinct, I I think of like, if I were to see a snake, um, I'm gonna run, right? That's my natural instinct. I'm not gonna stick around and figure things out and see what kind it is or if its eyes are round or whatnot, like I'm just gonna get out of there. That's my natural instinct. For Daniel, his natural instinct was, was prayer. Uh, There's a quote by a a Puritan uh, named John Owen. He said, what an individual is in secret on his knees before God, that he is and no more. 
And if that's true, Daniel was an amazing man, right? Because we see him pray constantly. I mean, look at, look at Daniel chapter two, whenever Nebuchadnezzar has the dream and he's asking him to interpret it, Daniel says this in verse 17, his first response, then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, that's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you remember, about the matter, urging them to ask the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. So the first thing he does when he's told to interpret this dream is he goes to his boys and says, we, we gotta pray, we gotta pray. Uh, Daniel chapter six, right? Uh, when he's going into the lion's den, there's this uh, law that was passed where um, they said, if, if you are caught praying to any other God except uh, for the, the gods of the, of the Medes and the Persians, which they, they had a ton, if you're, if you're praying to anything else, we're gonna throw you in a lion's den. And, and look at Daniel 6.10, it'll be on the screen for you. When that law was passed, it says when Daniel learned, all right, so he knows about it. When he learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house, the windows in, the, in its upstairs rooms opened towards Jerusalem, and three times a day, he got down on his knees, prayed, and gave thanks to his God, just as he's always done, just as he had done before. I think that's such an important line, right? That, that just as he had done before, prayer was just this natural instinct. It was the natural response or natural rhythm of Daniel's life. And so whenever things would come up, man, he would turn to prayer. He prayed. There was no other option. And so I think we would be wise, right, to learn to, to look at a man like Daniel and his example and, and see if there's a thing or two that we can apply to our own life, because I think if we're honest, we would say this guy, Daniel, he's a little bit further down the road on this topic of prayer than probably we are, right? And so I think we can learn a few things from him. Before we talk about prayer, I think we should pray, right? And so I'm going to pray. And as I do, I just want to invite you just right where you sit, just simply ask God, God, would you speak to me this morning? All right, let's, let's all pray. God, we just want to pause and just Thank you for your word and thank you for um, this church and these people at this time. And I pray, God, as we've come this morning to worship you, I pray, God, that you would speak. Would you just silence everything else that's going on in our minds or around us right now? And would you reveal truth from your word that we need in our lives? And would you help us to apply it? Would you show us Jesus this morning? And would we leave here differently? We love you and we're listening. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so Daniel chapter nine is where we're gonna be. Now let me just call a timeout for just a second. So on the screen, I've got like some scribbles and stuff on scripture. Um, there's no secret code to that, all right? That's not like this is the way to interpret scripture. I'm just doing that so maybe it, it highlights a couple of things for you, maybe, maybe points that out. So I don't wanna like create some weird like cult following where you feel like that's the way to underline in my Bible. That's, that's not the thing, okay? Just wanted to say that. Daniel chapter nine. Look at verse two. In the first year of his reign, that's talking about Darius. He tells us that in verse one. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah that the number of years from the desolation of Jerusalem would be 70. So I turned my attention to the Lord to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, oh, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. We have sinned, done wrong, acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances, 
We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to the kings, leaders, fathers, and all the people of the land. All right, so let's, let's pause there. We're gonna read more in just a moment, but if you're taking notes, I wanna, I wanna show you four things out of this prayer that we need to see. Four things, okay, out of this prayer. Number one, Daniel's prayer was motivated by scripture. It was motivated by scripture. We see that in verse two. It says, in the, in the first year of his reign, talking about Darius, I, Daniel, understood from the books according to the word of the Lord to the prophet Jeremiah. All right, so what we see here is Daniel is sitting and he's reading scripture and his heart was prompted to pray. That's what, that's what we see here happening. And, and so that's, that's a big idea for us as well, that scripture prompts prayer in our lives. As we are in the word, the spirit will speak to us, right, and, and show us things. What does 2 Timothy 3 say? It says that all scripture is, is inspired by God, is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, right? That's what scripture does for us. And so whenever we are in the word and it begins to do those things and teach us and correct us and rebuke us and train us in righteousness, all of that leads us to respond back in prayer, okay? And so this revealing through the word leads to us responding back through prayer. And so here's, here's an idea for us. Maybe we don't pray like we should because we aren't in the word like we should be. Maybe you and I don't, don't have a great prayer life because we don't have a great time in the word, right? So scripture is gonna inform, it's gonna prompt our prayer. And this is important for us because we need to understand that our thoughts and our desires have to be aligned with his. On our own, we are sinful, we're broken people. That's why we need him to show us how to think and how to move in this world. Romans 12, two says that don't be, don't be conformed to the world, but be what? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, right? By the renewing of your mind so that you can discern what, what is good, pleasing and perfect will of God. And so that's the picture. When we are opening our Bible, when we are in scripture, our mind is being transformed, even right now, right? Even now, as we open his word, our mind is being renewed by immersing ourselves in the mind of our creator through his, through his word. So whenever we open scripture, that's what we're doing. Scripture transforms God's wants into our wants, right? His desires become our desires whenever we are in scripture. And so this prayer starts with, with the Bible and, and it's just packed with phrases through scripture as well. In this prayer, you, you see Leviticus 26, you see Deuteronomy 28, you see Exodus 34, Psalm 44, Jeremiah 25, all of it. Daniel's just quoting and he's pulling pieces from scripture into this, this prayer. And so his prayer is centered on the will of God because his prayer is centered on the Bible, right? And so we would do well to ask ourselves as followers of, of Christ, do I struggle to pray because I don't know scripture as I should? Right? Do I fail to approach God well because I do not soak in his word well? Right? It's, it's this idea, I want you to think about breathing for just a second. Whenever you're breathing, you are inhaling and you are exhaling, right? And in the same way, 
Scripture is like inhaling those things that transform our mind and transform our lives to be more and more like, like Christ and show us how we should live and how we should function in this world. And then prayer is the exhale. Whenever we're exhaling back out his, his words and his nature and his desires, all right? So immersion in Scripture will energize prayer. So if you, if you say, man, I want to have a better prayer life, I would say step one is get in the word more. Get into the word because it will energize your prayer. So the first thing we see out of Daniel's prayer is that it was motivated by scripture. Secondly, he had a focused attention. Focused attention, look at verse, verse three. It says, so I turned my attention to the Lord God to seek him by prayer and petitions with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody uh, that you can tell is just not listening, right? I won't start pointing you out right now. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but if you ever talk to somebody who you can just tell is not listening and, and, and they're just kind of looking all over the place and you're talking, you're like, right, right here, like, look here. I have to do this with my son all the time. He's like trying to talk and he's just looking around. I'll just like grab his little face and say, come on, right here, right? Focus your attention in. I want you to notice Daniel's posture and his attitude in this, in this prayer, right? That he turned my, he says, I turned my attention to the Lord God, this is not casual. This is not half-hearted. It says, I turned my attention to the Lord. If you have an ESV Bible, it probably says, I turned my face to the Lord. I turned to him. Daniel's saying, God, you have my undivided attention. Nothing else matters right now. Nothing else in this world matters. I'm locked in with you. You have my full attention. That's what he's saying. And it goes on to kind of show us his posture that he, that he was fasting and he put on sackcloth and ashes. Those are symbols in the Bible for, uh, for mourning, for grief, for sorrow, for, for brokenness. And so that's what we see him doing here, that he is coming with a broken type of an approach. He's broken over the sins of his people. Listen, we need to understand that your attitude and approach to prayer is as important as the prayer itself. Our approach, our attitude towards prayer is just as important as the, as the prayer that you are praying. Why? Luke 6, 45 says that the mouth speaks from what? The overflow of the heart, right? The overflow of the heart. So if your heart is not right, your words are empty. We need to understand that Daniel approached God in humility and with worship, he says in verse four, he says, I pray to the Lord my God and confess. He says, ah, oh, Lord, the great and awe-inspiring God who keeps his gracious covenant with those who love him and keep his commands. That's the way that we should approach God. Full attention, coming to him with brokenness, but understanding that he is holy, he is good, and we come to him in worship. We see that in the example of Isaiah as well. Right? Think of Isaiah. I've got it on the screen for you. Isaiah chapter 6 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord and, and seated on the high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. And he goes on to describe what was happening there, but the angels were saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. Look at verse 5. Then I said, after I saw him, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined. Isaiah sees him in his holiness and he goes, I, I, I'm dead. I'm a dead man. Woe is me, I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live amongst the people of un, unclean lips. That was his response. See, God is, he's holy. 
God is majestic. He is other. He is not like us. He is different, right? And that's what Isaiah understood. That's what Daniel understood. That's the reason it is crazy for us, for you and I to ever think about just bursting into God's presence half-heartedly or casually uh, just full of arrogance and pride. There's no room to approach God like my five-year-old son looks at me, right? He deserves more. He deserves full attention, full full worship, and that's what we see Daniel do. And so he, he's motivated by scripture. He's um, he's has a focused attention. Number three, he's ashamed of sin. He's ashamed of sin. Look at verse five of chapter nine with me. Daniel says, we have sinned. We've done wrong. We've acted wickedly, rebelled, and turned away from your commands and ordinances. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, leaders, ancestors, and all the people of the land. Now, when, when we read the rest of his prayer, we're gonna see that just about every verse involves brokenness over sin. This is a prayer of confession. Verses five through 14 is all about confession in this, in this prayer. What is confession? Confession is just admission or acknowledgement of sin, of guilt. And that's what we see Daniel doing here. He, he's admitting sin. And it's an interesting fact here. Um, this passage is addressing what's called corporate sin. He's confessing the corporate sin of, of the nation, right? He uses the word we or our uh, around 20 times in this passage. And that brings up a topic that, that probably we're a little bit uncomfortable with, right? That, that somehow I'm associated with sin that I didn't directly commit, right? And so it's this idea of corporate corporate sin. Um, we don't like that because, again, we're, we're saying I didn't, I didn't do, that, do that thing. But the, the idea of corporate sin is all throughout Scripture, right? It's something that's there. And, and, and so the, the people of Israel were affected by the sin of, of certain people. And it's, so it's something that we need to understand. I'm not really going to talk too much about it this morning, um, but we do need to understand that there are things that have happened in our world, in our country, different things like that, that you and I weren't directly responsible for, but now we are responsible for how it gets cleaned up and how, how we respond to it. We just are, right? Isaiah chapter one, uh, verse 18, there's a famous verse that you've probably heard. It says, your sin is like scarlet, but it's gonna be like white as snow. But the two verses before that, he's talking to Israel and he's saying, it'll be that way if you don't oppress people, if you cover the sins that you've committed as a people, right? And, and so, man, there's this thing that, that you and I need to talk about. I think, I think we, we love the idea of being associated with a country and, and like the good stuff that's been a part of our, our history, right? We'll say things like we did that thing or we won that war back when or even think of the Olympics, we whatever. But anything that's happened in our past that we're ashamed of, that we don't like, well, that wasn't us. Don't blame me for that thing, right? And, and so, man, there, there's a point where you and I do have some responsibility from scripture to go, yeah, those things that happened in our country a long time ago, while I wasn't there, I wasn't born yet, my, my grandparents weren't even born 
yet, but they happened, and our country still feels the ramifications of those things today. Our society is built upon the oppression of a people group, and so those things still exist in our world, and you and I as Christians, as followers of Christ, we have a responsibility to in some way help correct those things, right? So that's what he's talking about whenever he's talking about corporate, corporate sin, but it's, it's also, he, he, he lumps himself into that. And also just interesting, the fact we know that Daniel was a good guy. Like verse 23, I think it is, um, says, that, says that the angel came and said, God treasures you. And we know that God has heard his prayers and like he's spared him and all these different things. So we know Daniel was a, a good guy. He wasn't guilty of those things, but he accepted some of the blame and he, he said, we need to be a part of this. And so he included himself in that. He's confessing sin and wickedness and rebellion, and he's crying out for mercy and forgiveness. And, and again, he's including himself by saying, using the pronouns we and our, he's saying, I'm a part of this as well. And when you and I understand, when, the, when our life is centered on God, we realize our need for mercy at every single moment. This is why you and I still confess sin. Like there's confessing sin is not a justification issue and what I mean by that is it's not hinging upon your salvation if you are a follower of Christ and you've placed your faith and trust in him in that moment you're declared right before God and so confessing sin daily is not a thing that you have to do in order for salvation I used to think like um, if I if I were to like die or something right after I told like a little lie or something that I was just doomed right, because I had that one stain mark and it's not forgiven, you know, that's not the idea. <laughs> that is not, that's not the idea at all. If you are a Christian, you've placed your life in him, you are completely righteous before a holy God. It's called justification. This is more of a, what's called a sanctification issue. It's a process of becoming more and more Christ-like. And so confessing sin is not a one-time thing, it's a daily action. And the reason we do that is because it declares our great need for God. When we understand, man, I'm a sinner and I'm broken and I confess that, we are declaring our need for God. And so, man, what, what if I were to ask you, what distinguishes us in this room, Christian church people, from the outside world? What distinguishes us? It's not that we're less wicked. It's not that we're less wicked than the world. The thing that distinguishes us is that by the grace of God, we have learned our great need for him. We, we declare our great need for a savior. That's what we see Daniel doing over and over throughout this prayer. He's saying, we have sinned. We ha are rebellious. We are wicked. We have turned from your commands. We haven't listened to you. But then he says, but God, you are different. Verse seven, righteousness belongs to you, right? You're different. So now let's skip down to verse 17. He says, therefore, our God, hear the prayer and the petitions of your servant. Make your face shine on your desolate sanctuary for the Lord's sake. Listen closely, my God, and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that bears your name, for we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts, but based on your abundant compassion. He says, Lord, hear, Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. My God, for your own sake, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name, right? So he, he declares his great need for the Lord. So what we see in this prayer, Daniel is motivated by scripture. He has a focused attention. 
He's ashamed of sin. And then fourth and finally, he is confident in God. He's confident in his God. That's what we see in verses 17 through 19. He, he prayed with a deep reliance upon, upon God. There's a quote by a guy named Arthur Pink uh, from 1918. He says this, prayer is not so much an act as it is an attitude, an attitude of dependency and dependency upon God. That's the point. Daniel says in verse 18, we are not presenting our petitions before you based on our righteous acts because he just spent the last 15 verses mapping out how we, we don't have any righteous acts. It's not based on us. It's only based on your abundant compassion, right? And so where did Daniel's confidence in God come from? Where did it, where did it come from? I've already, I've already told you. It came from the word. It came from the word in, in, in Jeremiah. It's, it's not specifically said where he was reading from, but I believe he was reading from Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 25 and 29 are both written to the exiles. In fact, look at Jeremiah 29.1. It'll be on the screen for you. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent from Jerusalem to who? The remaining exiled elders, the priests, the prophets, and all the people Nebuchadnezzar had deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah 29 was a letter sent straight from the prophet Jeremiah from Jerusalem to the people in Daniel's time, to the people in Babylon who had been exiled. And it says this, talking about where Daniel's confidence came from. He's reading Jeremiah 29, and it says in, in, in verse 10, it says, for this is what the Lord says. When 70 years, right, verse, verse 2 of Daniel 9, when 70 years for Babylon are complete, I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. He's making a promise to them. And he says in verse 11, for I know the plans I have for you. You may have this on a coffee cup. For I know the plans I have for you. This is the Lord's declaration. Plans for your well-being, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope, right? So this may surprise you. Jeremiah 29, 11, not written directly to America, Right? Is written to the exiles in Babylon. It's applicable for America, sure. Don't, don't send me an email, right? Verse 12, you will call to me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore your fortunes and gather you from the nations and, and places where I banished you. This is the Lord's declaration. I will restore you to the place from which I deported you. So where did Daniel's confidence come from? And it came from, from the word. It came from the promises straight from God. He's confident in God because he believed what God said. He believed it. And so the things that he's asking for, he knew in verse 19, he knew, he was confident. He believed that God would hear, that God would forgive, and that God would act. He knew that God was actually gonna hear his cries. He knew that God was actually gonna forgive the sin that he was confessing, and he knew that God was actually going to listen and act. And so let me just ask us this morning, Christians, how would your prayer life change if you actually believed these things to be true? How would your prayer life change if you actually believed that God was gonna hear you, forgive you, and act. I believe it would radically transform our prayer 
life, not based off of anything that we've done. We don't deserve anything. We don't even deserve an audience with him, but based on his goodness alone, he listens. And so if we truly were to believe those things, man, I think that it would do incredible things in our life. And so we see in Daniel's prayer that he was motivated by scripture. They had his attention focused on God that he was ashamed of sin and that he was confident in God to hear, forgive, and act. Can I get real with you this morning? I struggle with this, right? Like if, if Daniel's prayer is the measuring stick, I come up short. I come up very, very short. I'm thankful for the example of Daniel. I want to be more like Daniel. I'm trying to learn to be more like Daniel, but more often than not, I don't measure up. And you're probably sitting there going, me too. I don't measure up to that either. So hopefully we're all challenged this morning to learn to pray like Daniel. Can you imagine if our church prayed like this? That we knew scripture so well that it just it was just the breath that we were breathing out, right? That we had our attention solely focused on him, not on, not on the junk that distracts. That we were praying for one another, that we were ashamed of the sin and the, the things that separate us from the Lord, and we're gonna be making a conscious effort to do something else, right? And then if we truly believe that he's gonna hear us and forgive us and act, uh, I think it would do incredible things in our church. Have you ever... Um, have you ever seen parents, or maybe you, maybe you have children of your own, or, or you've seen a video or something like that of, of parents whenever they, they have a child learning to walk? You remember that whenever you had, a, had a, one of your kids, they were, they were learning to walk, and they get up, and their head weighs more than their whole body, right? And so they just like stumble around, and they basically fall forward for two steps. What happens? Everybody loses their mind, right? Like that is the most amazing thing that has ever happened. Like this kid just scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Like we just lose our ever-loving mind about how he just took a couple of steps, but in reality, they just stumbled forward, right? They just stumbled forward. I, I think Jesus delights in our steps, even our baby steps, right? And so wherever you are on this prayer spectrum, from running sprints in the Olympics to baby steps, Right, From beginning to, to being a man like Daniel who spends all night praying next to some lions who are about to eat him. Wherever you are in that, that prayer spectrum, I, I just wanna leave you with just a bit of encouragement before we, before we close, and it's this. Hebrews chapter four. It'll be on the screen for you. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession, verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So we don't approach him arrogantly. We don't approach him half-heartedly, no. But we are able to approach the throne of God with confidence, why? because of all Jesus has done for us. Only because of his goodness, nothing that we've done. Only because of his goodness that he stepped into this earth 
that he came on a mission to save broken, sinful people who would continually rebel against him, by the way. He came to do that. And he came, and he died on a cross, and he was a sacrifice for our sins. And so now, when you and I place our faith in him, and if you're here this morning and you haven't done that, you don't know Jesus as Savior, the invitation to you is do that this morning. Start a relationship, start a conversation with the God of all creation this morning. You can cry out to him if you confess your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and you will be a son or daughter of the King. And full access is granted to you in that moment. He has remedied our sin problem, and now we have access to the throne room of God. That's what Hebrews 4 says, that we approach the throne with confidence. But then you want to know what, he's, what Jesus is doing right now? Have you ever thought about that? Like Jesus came, he died, he rose again, he did all those things, but what is Jesus doing right now? What Jesus is doing right now is he's praying for us. He's praying for us right now. He's, he's making intercession for us. Romans 8, 34, Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised and also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us us right now king jesus resurrected sits at the right hand of the father and he's praying for you he's praying for us so when you and i don't know what to say or whenever we feel like we're saying it all wrong we can take confidence in knowing that our savior is praying for us so so what do we do with this this morning Wherever you are in your prayer life, I wanna encourage you this week to follow Daniel's model. Sharpen your communication with your God. And in fact, I want us to take a step in doing that this morning. And so I'm gonna walk us through just a time of prayer as we follow kind of what Daniel has done. And so I'm gonna do that. If, if, it, if you want to come up and pray here, you're able to do that. You can pray there at your seat as well. But I wanna invite you, as, we, as we're closing out, we're gonna spend just a moment and respond to the Lord using the template that Daniel gives us. So if, if you're ready, let's, let's pray together. Bow your heads, close your eyes. First, tell God who he is, like to you. Just spend some time just worshiping him. Who is God to you? Savior. He's the sustainer of your life, the breath in your lungs. Next, I want you to apologize for the sin in your life.
So ask him to. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.